Welcome to the new Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Two Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. Dr. Perry is a physician at the WellMed at Redbird Square Clinic in Dallas. She completed her master's degree at the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth, earned her medical degree at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She's board certified in family medicine by the American Osteopathic Board of Family Medicine. And she is also co-host of this show, Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. And today, she is not only our co-host, she's our guest, because we're going to be talking about Alzheimer Awareness Month, how to understand the disease, how to know if you've got a problem, how to help someone with it, and a whole lot more. And uh, Dr. Perry, it is great to have you on your first show as co-host. Yes, absolutely. So I am super duper excited to talk about this very, very important topic, Ron. Well, this topic is one that I'm sure many of your patients are concerned about whether they have dementia or not. It's something that as we age, we often think about. So why don't we do the 411? How do you know if you have a problem that could mean Alzheimer's? Well, you know, let's talk about first what uh, dementia is, because I think everyone's afraid of the term. Um, Dementia is kind of a a catch-all term for um, a significant beyond normal loss of cognition, loss of memory, and there's different types of dementia. Um, The most common type is Alzheimer's, and that's what, you know, this is Alzheimer's Awareness Month in the month of June. Now, Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia, and it's a progressive disease presenting with mild memory loss. Now, there is some normal memory loss that comes along with age, and there's various stages of it, but this is a progressive one leading to the loss of ability to, like, carry on a conversation, respond to the environment, and maybe agitation that comes along with it. Um, It affects your um, language, your memory, your thought processes. So if you are even concerned about your memory, your best bet is to make an appointment with your primary care physician because there are cognitive tests that we can do to say, is this the normal progress of aging or is this something pathologic that we need to get on right now? And what are the kind of normal things you don't have to worry about? I'll give you an example. A friend of mine, Dr. Harry Croft is a psychiatrist and and he said one way to think of it is if you have misplaced your keys, which we all do, and you find them, but don't know what to do with them, that's a warning sign. Exactly. So um, getting lost on the way home is a warning sign. And not that you just moved and you still thought you lived at your old address, but you've been there for years. So it's a warning sign. Um, thinking that your 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 40-year-old son is 16-year-old and telling him, you know, why are you coming in early this morning when he doesn't live there? He was just coming over to say hi. So these are warning signs. Normal progress of aging, you mentioned keys. If you were a person who never lost your keys before, but you occasionally lose them now, but when you find them, you know, oh, that's right. I did. I did leave them by the nightstand and I know they go in the car and I know they're to drive the car. That's a normal progress of aging. And what are, we mentioned, you don't know what to do with the keys would be a warning sign. Uh, your 16-year-old walks in and 
you don't recognize him. That would be a warning sign. Yes. Uh, and, and as you think about this, does the individual going through these problems often know what's happening versus a significant other who may be more aware? What I find more most often in my practice is that the, when the patient comes in, they, they state their family is complaining. You know, not that they are having a problem. Some of the patients are cognizant of it. Some of the patients don't want to admit it, but a large number of patients are unaware. So more often the family complains that mom just isn't the way that she used to be. Dad just isn't the way that he used to be. And and how do you deal with that as their primary care physician? Well, the first thing that we do is a test called the mini mental status exam. And what that kind of tells me is, is how is this immediate short-term memory doing and how's your immediate uh, memory doing? We score that exam. And if it's under a certain score, if it's under the high 20s, then we, and and the top score is 30, we um, refer you on to a neurologist for further testing and a possibly initiation of medication if we think this memory loss is going down the dementia pathway. In addition, we also can do imaging of your brain to see if there's any structural changes because all memory loss is not dementia. That's important to realize. You can have other entities like normal pressure hydrocephalus, something called mild cognitive impairment that can progress to Alzheimer's dementia. So your best bet is to once again, see your primary care physician. And then from that point, he or she will go down the pathway that's best suited for you. Now we're gonna talk more about Alzheimer Awareness Month and dementia, loss of memory and more. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. And we are delighted to have you on board. Uh, Tamika, uh, when you give that mini mental status test, uh, it's one that gives you kind of a, baseline and understanding of where that patient is at that snapshot in time. Exactly. That's exactly what it does. In fact, this is one of the components of what's called the Medicare annual wellness exam. So every year when you go for your wellness exam, if you're a Medicare recipient, um, that's supposed to be one of the components that's completed to give your doctor that, that general baseline of what's going on. So if your physician notes that your score was 30 in year one, when you turn 65, but in year five, when you turn 60 or 70, your score was 25, that's a significant change. That's a sign even if you don't complain as the patient or your family doesn't complain. It's like our bunny ears go up to say, hey, we need to look into some things here. Now, at the present time, there really aren't any medications that can fix Alzheimer's. Are there any medications that are effective in slowing memory loss? Absolutely. There are are several medications that are on the market in addition to um, combination medications that are on the market that help slow the progression of the disease. Our best bet to slowing the progression of the disease is early detection. So getting in every year for your Medicare annual, listening to what your family says, visiting your primary care physician. So these key indicators can be picked up and we start treatment early if warranted. I remember when my dad was beginning to suffer memory loss, both my mom and dad are are deceased now. But when my dad started suffering memory loss, he didn't want to go to the doctor. He didn't want to know what was happening. This happens quite often. A lot of times the patients don't want to admit or don't want to know. And it's just not that in dementia. It's like that in a lot of disease states because it's the um, almost the admission that we're mortal. You know, we get older, things are going to happen. But once again, the earlier that we find out, the better our long-term prognosis, the better our long-term outcome. Now, estimates are about 6 million people across this country have Alzheimer's. Uh, are, are the projections for that number to grow as we age? 
It is. So the projections are, well, post 65, they do, they double to triple uh, the number of people who have Alzheimer's in that population. In fact, the biggest risk factor for Alzheimer's that we have identified right now in, in medicine is age over 60. And as you age into your 70s and 80s and 90s, does your risk grow even greater? It does. It does. Um, you know, most certainly if we talk about Alzheimer's in particular, Alzheimer's pathophysiology or the mechanism that causes it isn't fully understood. But what we do know about it is that there's these abnormal uh, deposition of this protein, these plaques in your brain that causes the architecture of the brain to be different. And this, this the chances of this happening increases significantly with age. Are there foods we can eat? Are there things we can do uh, either to prevent or slow the uh, spread of that disease. You no, know, Ron, you, you bring up a very valid, very good point in question. Absolutely. So healthy diet, high in fruits and vegetables, fresh fruits and vegetables, and, and also a lifestyle that includes exercise. You know, 150 minutes of cardiovascular exercise a week is recommended for everyone, most certainly in the prevention of uh, chronic disease states, particularly in dementia. And in fact, individuals who exercise um, on a regular and consistent basis starting in their 40s, add 14 years onto the end of their life and decrease their chances of dying from all causes. So they're more likely to die from a natural death and they add 14 years onto the end of their life. And uh, go over again how much exercise you, you recommend. So 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular exercise that's running, walking, swimming, and walking is perfectly fine. You want to keep up a good pace. And if you say, hey, look, Tamika, I'm not used to doing that. It's way too much for me. I get it. I understand. So it's about 30 minutes, five days a week. We'll start with what you can. Listen to your body. So if you can do seven minutes without feeling like you're just going to pass out, do seven minutes, five days a week this week. Next week, try to do eight, then try to do nine. The only person you're racing against is yourself. And does it help to have a buddy when you do this? Absolutely. Buddies keep you accountable and they keep both of you healthy. So absolutely. I highly recommend buddies and I highly recommend classes that are appropriate for your fitness level. Now, I know when it comes to uh, dementia and diseases like Alzheimer's, uh, there's concern among many, many people uh, that they can be triggered by other diseases. We hear about Parkinson's causing dementia. We hear about someone with a, a urinary tract infection mimicking some of the symptoms of dementia. That's, Talk that, to us about that. That's absolutely right. So you can have some dementia-like um, features in Parkinson. However, once again, this goes back to having an adequate uh, relationship with your primary care provider because there are other, you know, dementia doesn't happen in a vacuum with Parkinson's. You're also going to have your gait is going to change. The way you speak is going to change. So when you go to your primary care doctor, he or she, when you have that established relationship with them, these things they can pick up on and says, what entity do we really need to treat here? So we need to treat the Parkinson's and our overall symptoms that go along with Parkinson's get better. Now, most certainly you're talking about delirium. Um, when, a, when a person has an acute illness like urosepsis, which is very high in the senior population, usually once that urosepsis or that acute infection is resolved, that acute change in mental status is resolved. So Alzheimer's or dementia is a progressive, chronic, doesn't go away, but we can make better or slow down change in mental status. Delirium is an acute change in mental status, usually caused by a systemic reaction like infection. Does it matter what type of dementia you have? Isn't dementia dementia? 
It does to a certain degree. Um, the treatments for dementia aren't as robust as we would like in medicine, but definitely there are treatments. But you want to know what the underlying cause is instead of just trying to put a Band-Aid on it. You can have something called vascular dementia. Vascular dementia is where the effects of um, cerebrovascular disease as well as hypertension has changed the architecture of your brain. So in that case, you still want to eat right, you want to exercise, but you really want to make sure that your LDL cholesterol is appropriate, less than 70. Your blood pressure is less than 130 over 80. Did now, what's, what's LDL? Low-density lipid, the bad cholesterol. And then there's a good cholesterol. Right, that's the high-density lipid. The high-density lipid neutralizes our bad cholesterol. And ironically, like you mentioned earlier, it increases with exercise. Stay with us just a minute. We're going to talk more about the different types of dementia from Lewy bodies to others. I'm Ron Aaron with our co-host and special guest today, filling both roles, Dr. Tamika Perry. We're talking in honor of Alzheimer's Awareness Month, all about dementia and more. You're listening to Two Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. talking about 6 million people across this country diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. That number expected to grow rapidly. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Two Docs in a Pod, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, who is also our expert guest today on Two Docs in a Pod. We're talking about Alzheimer's Awareness Month, which is the month of June. And Dr. Perry, uh, I was mentioning just a moment ago that there are different types of diseases that are reflected by dementia. What are those? So, so dementia falls. There are several types of de dementia. If you think of dementia as you know soda for a simplistic sake, there, there are different flavors of soda, right? So, one of the flavors is something called Lewy body dementia, and that's a memory loss. Um, with movement and balance problems, you can have staring spells, daytime sleepiness, and visual hallucinations. Uh, in fact, it, it was, I watched a documentary one time, and um, Ron, help me with the name here. Who was Mork on Mork and Mindy? Um, the team. Mork and Mindy. Roger. Robin. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Yes. Robin Williams, the late comedian who died yes. of Louis bodies, right? Right. So it's proposed that he had Lewy body dementia, but his, um, you know, the people around him complained of these odd characteristics he was having, the staring spells, the kind of hallucinations and depression. So we talked about there are different types of dementia, Lewy bodies being one of them, but one of the commonalities of um, a lot of the different types of dementia are the comorbid states, which include depression and anxiety. So, you know, you, you got to be aware that the patient is very afraid. They, they may be aware that something's going on, but they don't want to admit it, or they know something's going on, but they just don't know what it is. So these are also entities as your primary care physician and your family members will also have to deal with. And then there's a frontal temporal dementia, mm -hmm. FTD, uh, right. which nobody wants. 
No, that, that's the type of dimension which you not only have memory loss, but you have personality changes. So, um, you know, the frontal temporal area of your brain is kind of tells you, you know, who you are. You know, if you're a nice person, if you're a spunky <laughs> person, um, but that if you have dementia where there's loss of neurons in that particular area of the brain, the patient uh, may dis- display inappropriate behavior. They may have problems with language or speech skills, their social cues or interactions, how they normally interact may change. Um, And unfortunately, you can also have a mixed type of dementia where you have components of frontal, temporal, Lewy body, or Alzheimer's. And how do you get those diagnosed? Um, You you know, some of this is um, subjective, subjective cognitive testing, like the mental mini status exam. And some of it is imaging, like on the MRI or CT, we can see the uh, plaques that are indicative of Alzheimer's or the Lewy body protein deposits. Now in the old days, which was not that long ago, uh, you had to wait for someone to die and cut open their brain to discover whether they had Alzheimer's or, or not. That's not that's not the case anymore. So we can see some of it on imaging, you know, fair enough that and true enough that sometimes the disease state is a little advanced. Um, we rate Alzheimer's in mild, moderate and severe. And, so, and it is advanced when you can see it on imaging. But the subjective clues are enough for us to start treatment. And the subjective clues are things like we talked about earlier. If you lose your keys, when you find them, you say, well, what are these for? Then, you know, you got a problem. Yeah. As it, or you may not know it, but other people yes. will. People around you know that we may have an issue now, yes. Well, share with us the kind of advice you give to spouses and caretakers who who are helping someone who is suffering from progressive dementia. It is very difficult for a caretaker in any situation. It is difficult physically. It is difficult emotionally. One of the most important things with the caretaker is please be patient. And remember, this is the same person that you knew and loved forever and ever. Amen. Um, because their personalities may change. They may become more combative. You know, they may, you may be dealing with depression with the patient. There are several resources for caretaker support groups, which I institute um, that process a lot with my patients and their, their support around them because the caretaker needs to be taken care of also. And as a PCP, when you have patients who have a dementia, have Alzheimer's, are you able to communicate with them? Mm-hmm. It, well, it depends on the stage of the, the Alzheimer's um, or the dementia in the early, to, in the, you know, mild to moderate or early stages, depending on which dementia we're talking about, you can communicate. Sometimes you have to do a lot of redirecting, um, but most certainly you can communicate. In the severe stages, it does become a little bit more challenging. How do you overcome that um, uh, you as know, a provider? Yeah, compliance with medication, social cues, and repetition. Repetition is is something that is key, especially in the severe or later stages in all time Alzheimer's. You don't want the patient's um, um, habits to change. So if they have several children, you want to stick to them living with one kiddo, one kiddo being their their caregiver or their primary caregiver, or you know a few. But consistency is your key. So don't move them. From house to house to house. From house to house to house. Don't change up, you know, diets or restaurants a lot. Um, even the surroundings around them. You know, you don't want to change your feng shui, quote unquote, in the room a whole lot. You don't want to rearrange furniture and stuff. You want consistency. And, and does paranoia come along with the dementia? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you, you know, if it's, you know, it's 2022 now and you still think it's 
2000 and everyone around you is like, what are you talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And once again, that consistency helps with that. And then of course, uh, there's the issue that families begin to deal with. And that is uh, the patient repeating question after question, after question over and over again, it's a challenge to deal with. What do you recommend uh, to the caregivers? So to the caregivers, once again, patient and, you know, repetition, patient and repetition. You know, I've had some um, caregivers who actually made little books for the patients when the patients got confused and the book said the same thing over and over. They picked it up like, you know, the patient who lives in the the room next to you is your grandson. He's 15. He brings breakfast every morning. And that's helped with the patients a lot. So give them a picture book. Give them a picture book and the book, you know, in the morning says, read me. Oh, okay. So then the patient kind of says, okay, let me redirect myself. And then there are other challenges, of course, that uh, come with caring for someone with dementia. And one is dental care, which can be a real issue. Yes, absolutely. Now, dental care, actually dental care and, and just nutrition in general. Sometimes our dementia patients will suffer something called protein calorie malnutrition simply for the reason they forget to eat. Their their social cues and their cues for appetite aren't like they used to be. And the same thing with hygiene with your teeth. So it's important that the caregiver as well as the clinician do thorough checks, open up and say, ah, did you brush your teeth today? And those cues, once again, I have cues all over my house because I have a ton of stuff going on. There's nothing wrong with anyone doing that. When the patient gets up in the morning, you may have a a sign on their mirror that says brush teeth now. And is there a point where they no longer can read and comprehend? Um, You do see some digression. It's it's, It's in there somewhere, but they just can't pull up the ability to be able to read like they used to. And unfortunately, at at the end stages of Alzheimer, sometimes um, assistant living facilities where there are medical individuals may be the best option for the patient. So have them in a memory care unit? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Where there, you know, there's neurologists around, there's um, internists around, there's nurses around that can help the patient at times to a greater degree than the family can at home. Now, as you think about uh, the growing older population, in your practice, uh, Dr. Perry, you see predominantly Medicare eligible seniors. Is your patient population aging as well? People are living longer. I think the population is aging very well. And, 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 and this is anecdotally speaking for my patient population for a combination of reasons. One, we have made advances in science. So we are aware of certain disease states. We are aware of what to do and what not to do. Um, you know, there are resources that are available in many communities like, like mine, like a senior center that has uh, chair yoga for patients that have, you know, indoor walking track, cooking classes. And the internet, you know, good or bad, it does provide a plethora of information that makes people aware of their disease state and aware of what to do and what not to do. And at the very least, makes them cognizant enough to ask their primary care physician is, what pathway do I need to go on to age in a healthy manner? And as you take a look at uh, society as it is today, in in situation involving COVID, uh, many folks were literally isolated in their homes. And we know that social isolation isn't good for people, and it's equally bad for people with dementia. You're absolutely right. And so this is where we can use, you know, the Internet or, you know, Wi-Fi for the betterment, right? So during um, this past episode or this recent episode, this current episode of the pandemic, one of the 
tools that my seniors in my population have used is, is FaceTiming and Zooming with their friends. They'll Zoom their exercise classes, they'll Zoom cooking classes. So it's not that touch interaction, but you still get that mental stimulation. You still get that loving stimulation from um, interacting with people who are around you. When it comes to brain health and training your brain, uh, some of the things I've read is reading is a really good thing to stimulate your brain. A hundred percent right. Reading is a great thing in games that that uh, cause you to connect the dots per se. Chess, checkers, cards, dominoes. Um, this is like workout, like weight training for your brain. So I highly, highly recommend that as well as classes with others. Once again, like weight training for your brain. I've got a neighbor, uh, Jimmy, who's about to turn 88, mm -hmm. who once a week is in a competitive domino club where four or it. five people get together and compete on dominoes. Usually I, I challenge my seniors to dominoes because I think I'm pretty good. But if Jimmy is in a competitive club where he's doing it once, I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth. But yeah, that's excellent. Highly recommend this type of activity. Well, we're about flat out of time. Any final words on dementia? Well, dementia is, it, it sounds like a big, scary word, but it can be tackled. And so if you have any signs and symptoms about memory loss that you or your family are concerned about, I urge you to make an immediate appointment with your primary care provider. Dr. Tamika Perry, thank you so much. I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you all for joining us on Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Executive producers for Two Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure and tune in next week for another edition of Two Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron. Mm -hmm.